forecasting. How does anybody predict where the housing market's going to go? Well, not too easily and definitely not in a 30 second video blurb. This is intricate and complicated stuff. And to be brutally honest, you shouldn't be thinking about what's going to be happening in the market anyway. You should be saving and planning and trying to dump your rent as soon as you can, no matter what the market's going to do, because eventually it's still going to work out for you no matter what happens in the market. But since this is the third in my three-part series so far on the 2023 housing forecasts and predictions, I guess I've got to keep going with our next topics. Let's go. Homies, what is happening? I am David Sidoni, and this is part three of the 2023 housing forecast and prediction series. Now, so far, we've covered rent and mortgage interest rates. And today we're going to dive into topics number three, four, and five. We're going to hit inventory, affordability, and housing sales. Let's jump in, dive in, and swim around in the facts and figures and the data and all the economic gooiness. Topic number three is inventory. This, my friends, is the leading indicator, fact, data source, and the straight-up reason that no matter how crappy Everything else gets, I'm talking inflation, mortgage rates, the economy, uh, no matter what's going on, if there is a crash that happens sometime soon, inventory is the one factor that is shaping everything that's going on with the housing market right now. I understand markets go up and markets go down. And yes, we've been going up for a long time and this market is going to go down and it should go down again at some point. But because of this inventory fact, this data, this number, we're likely, well, let me say almost definitely not going to crash. Now, I know you haven't been paying attention to this for years and years and years, but the market has a normal ebb and flow to it. We're not doing the roller coaster ride most of the time that we've done over the past decade or so. Uh, but the current lack of inventory and the definitive data shows that no matter how quickly inventory numbers improve, we will still be way, way below and way under what is actually needed to bring us back to a normal market, which means that no matter what the pricing and the rates do, the basics of supply and demand are going to be skewed to the demand side because it's much higher than the supply side. And the numbers actually say that if we continue at even a normal pace with improving the inventory, we're likely not to get to that nice balance for seven years till 2023. So today I'm going to recap what uh, I've already discussed in several, several previous podcasts, giving you all of the big facts and data because inventory has been the key factor that I've been watching and sharing with you since the crash of 2008. Well, I haven't been sharing since 2008. I've been sharing since 2019, the data that has been coming to us since 2008. Um, and then I will drop the current data on where we are right now and what people think is looking like the future for inventory. And spoiler alert, it's not enough to meet the demand. 
So inventory, two big pieces of data to look at building of new homes for people to buy and people looking to list and sell their already built homes, the homes that you see on the market, the normal sales of what we call resale homes. The recap on the builders that I've explained in old episodes to you is really simple. And uh, what I've tell you about this, it actually is pretty easy to comprehend. Each year, we have to build enough homes to keep up with demand. A good number is about a million homes per year built. Well, starting in 2008, the builders cut that number by half, and many of them stayed there for four or five years. A lot of them went bankrupt in 2008. So that means we had four or five years where we had 500,000 homes too little built every single year. So then starting around 12 and 13, we've slowly been creeping back up, but we are still several, several million new homes short to make up for all those years that they didn't build enough homes. And by the way, during those years, yeah, you people are nasty and the population kept growing because you're all out there doing dirty, dirty things. So we are way, way short to keep up with all the people we have. All the data in the previous episodes, it's all there. You can hear it if you want to. The key is if the builders continue at the increase we've seen over the last couple of years, fantastic, but we're still not catching up to 2030. But it looks like we're not keeping up. We're actually anticipating things to slow down in 2023. So one of the pieces I researched here was USA Today. They published some information that single-family starter homes, what they call housing starts. It can be confusing because they're homes that are starter homes for people, but when they build new homes, they call them housing starts. Welcome to real estate. Isn't this fun? At the end of 2022, the housing starts, the number of homes that were being built, the first drop in 11 years, 11 years. And USA Today says that was despite a persistent structural deficit of housing in the United States, according to the National Association of Home Builders. Now, if you're watching this on video, here's a little chart to show you that. If you're listening, it's pretty self-explanatory. <laughs> I just looked at another camera to say, if you're listening, that doesn't make any sense. So looking at that chart or hearing me talk about it, in 2008, it was the top of a steep mountain that dropped down to 2011. Now, from that bottom, we've been going up since 2012, but in 2022, we saw the dreaded peak of that new mountain as they began to drop again. And just to make it really confusing, if I'm in your ear holes, here's another chart. Uh, just in case that mountain thing confuses you, uh, this is the same information showing you that, yeah, we've been going up slowly since 2011, 2012, but we started slowing down in 2022. And the thing that sucks about that is we weren't caught up, not even close. We're still desperate for homes. So maybe some of you out there are business majors. You're thinking, why are they not building homes if people want to buy homes? The consumer wants it. Why aren't you making it? Well, in one of my favorite kind of surveys they do in real estate, the builder, buyer, or seller sentiment surveys, we find out the answer. Yeah, they do surveys where they ask builders, buyers, and sellers about their feelings. It's crazy, right? They're sentiment surveys. But the thing about the surveys is they are good to look at because sometimes they can help you predict what's going to happen based on how people's emotions are going to affect their actions in the future. So the survey, Home Builder Sentiment, as measured by the NAHB Wells Fargo HMI, that's a lot of letters. Anyway, that big fancy organization said that Home Builder Sentiment has declined for 11 straight months. 
signaling an ongoing contraction for home building that's going to be coming to us in 2023. So let me translate that for you to tell you what that all means for inventory. We need more homes built and supply has been still way, way down despite a slow increase in building. They're trying to catch up, but at the end of 2022, even though we weren't caught up, they gave up and we saw a drop in building. And for the last 11 months, builders don't feel good about the idea of increasing supply, even though we desperately need it. Why or oh, why then are they not building? Well, because builders run on very small margins. And for a while, when the supply chain woes were at their worst, there it is again, woes. I swear to God, I have never used the word woes more than when I do my research and I get ready to do a podcast. It's like in every article in real estate, they love to use the word woes, even though I had trouble getting that sentence out. Anyway, everyone was talking about the price of lumber holding back new construction and making it too expensive. So even though the builders made their money in the post-pandemic run of 2021, they already started to get sketched out in 2022, 11 months ago to be exact, according to the sentiment survey. And this is partly because, well, they were doing good for a little while and then bam, the pandemic killed them. And they tried to get back from the pandemic and they were doing really great, but then they saw the affordability hitting its peak. Plus, one of the big things that isn't talked about a lot is excessive restrictions, regulations, and fees to build anything in the United States. Now, here's what some of the pros think. Most say that for sale housing supply is at currently historic low levels and likely to remain so even as inventory rises slightly, if it does in 2023, but they're saying that most new construction is going to be focused on multifamily rentals. Taylor Marr, uh, one of our economists from the articles that I've been reading and telling you about, he anticipates that building permits and housing starts are going to drop about 25% in 2023, with most of that pullback coming in single-family homes. He said, quote, construction of single family homes surged during the pandemic, which means builders need to offload the homes they have on hand without adding more to the supply to limit their financial losses. They'll pull back dramatically in some markets like Phoenix and Dallas, where they built too many homes in anticipation of demand that's failing to materialize, unquote. Damn. So side note, you might find some houses that are trying to dump in Phoenix and Dallas. Now, while he expects that rental building activity will fall slightly next year, he doesn't expect it to fall nearly as much as the construction of single-family homes. Quote, constructing rental units, including apartment buildings and multifamily homes, will make more financial sense for builders next year as rental demand won't fall off as much. Some construction spending will also shift to remodels, as many Americans who are hoping to move instead are going to opt to renovate in the face of high mortgage rates, unquote. All right, let me unpack that for you because that is a double whammy of bad news for first-time home buyers. Number one, instead of building new homes that you want to buy, they're going to concentrate on building new apartments to keep you as a renter. And number two, they anticipate that people are going to be planting roots and staying in their homes with that sweet, sweet 3% mortgage interest rate. So they expect that people are going to be do more remodeling as opposed to selling their homes. People are going to be staying there instead of putting their homes on the market. And that leads us to the second type of inventory, the resale inventory. 
these are those people that bought a home and are sitting there with that sweet 3% interest rate, your standard home being sold on the market by a seller who owns it. One of the economists we've been quoting for this whole prediction uh, series here, Danielle Hale, she predicts that inventory levels will continue to grow gradually. Quote, the level of inventory in 2023 is expected to fall roughly 15% short of the 2019 average. Now, that was a big old year. She continues, quote, in fact, October 2022 was the first time inventory climbed back to the 2020 levels for the same time of year, unquote. So a little bit of hope coming from her potentially with what's going on. The interesting thing is if the inventory really tightens up, we could see bidding wars again. Redfin is forecasting about 4.3 million home sales in 2023, which is fewer home sales than in any year since 2011 and will be a 16% decrease from last year. Our economist, Matthew Gardner, he says, quote, although inventory levels rose in 2022, they are still way below long-term average. In 2023, I don't expect a significant increase in the number of homes for sale as many homeowners do not want to lose their low mortgage rate. There's that fact again. In fact, he says, I estimate that 25 to 30 million homeowners have mortgage rates around 3% or lower, unquote. Why do I keep mentioning that to you? Well, because inventory is the most important thing in all the factors when we're looking at forecasts and predictions. And this whole crazy thing with everybody sitting there with 3% interest rates, this is another wrench thrown into the engine of trying to build the inventory. Anybody with a job and a pulse refinanced their home in the last couple of years down to 3%, even if they were at 5% or 4%. This was great for them. But now with rates hovering around 6.5%, the idea of selling your home, sure, you can cash it out and get lots of cash from the equity you've built up, but your new payment, because we're assuming they're going to sell their house and buy something else, that's going to be at 6.5%. So maybe they decide to stay in the house and tough it out for a little while. This is going to be lowering the already stupid low number of homes that are on the market for sale, or in this case, for resale. And our friends at Bankrate said this, current homeowners are unlikely to trade in their 3% mortgage for a new home with a 7% loan unless they absolutely have to. So existing home inventory should remain low. And then they also chimed in on the builder, saying the builders have scaled back on housing starts for the past few months. And that means we're most likely not going to be seeing a huge boost in supply from new construction either. And our economist buddy Matthew Garner reminds us, quote, of course, homes will be listed for sale for the usual reasons, whether it's career change, death or divorce. But in general, the 2023 market will not have the normal turnover in housing that we've seen in recent years. So inventory, one of the most important factors for us to figure out what's been going to be going on in the future in our predictions. And in this case, the supply is going to be low, 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 which means the demand could get interesting in 2023. Now, the last piece of data I'm going to give you on inventory Anybody out there who's telling you that we're heading for a crash like 2008, first of all, punch him in the face, tell him that was for me, love you. And then be sure to tell them this. Right now, our inventory is just over a million homes for sale. That's four times less. Let me say it again, four times less than the inventory that we had back in 2008. So the supply 
in the simple supply and demand has to increase four times to meet the same scenario. Four million new homes have to appear out of nowhere for sale if we think we're going to have a crash like we did in 2008. All right, moving on to our next topic. Topic number four is affordability. This is an interesting term that people throw around when they're talking to real estate. Affordability doesn't just mean cheap prices. A lot of times people think, oh, it's affordable because it's cheap. Nah, it's not like that. Affordability, when it comes to real estate, takes into account multiple factors. It takes into account inflation, wages, mortgage interest rates, and loan programs available, sometimes even including first-time homebuyer incentive programs, as well as, of course, the price of the home. Morgan Stanley put out a report that stated that home prices in the United States fell 27% back in the day, 2006 to 2012. Now, this was a result of the crazy housing correction, which was characterized by high unemployment and what they called pressurized affordability, which was the result of dubious lending and excess supply. So let me translate that for you. Homes were affordable because the banks were lending to anyone, anybody, and they didn't check wages, your job. So shocker to no one, the whole thing collapsed. Well, that is not going to be happening now. Now the affordability is under pressure due to inflated property prices and rising mortgage interest rates. We all understand that that's what happened at the end of last year. That's what Morgan Stanley said. Now, I'm going to add wages and inflation into the mix of that equation. So Morgan Stanley said that the median price of the existing home sales was up 38% since March 2020. Post-pandemic drop, we're up 38% in prices. But we've also seen mortgage rates go up three percentage points since that time as well. The first time we've seen anything like that since the 80s, the early 80s. Now, the combination of those two has caused affordability to deteriorate faster than any other point in our time. So again, for you video peeps out there, I'm going to drop a chart on you that shows the drastic change in income that it takes to buy a starter home. Those of you in the ear holes, the chart starts in 2000 and it's about $40,000 a year for a starter home. It then fluctuates up to 50, back down to 40 until you get to about 58,000 in 2021. Kind of a normal up and down. And then there's this green line at the end from 58,000, bam, 85,000 in 2022. So the quick look on affordability is it's not affordable. <laughs> and that's why we saw the sink at the end of the year in 2022. And we saw prices come down a little bit. Right now, the average American homes is uh, somewhere between 400, 450,000. Most people are putting 35% of their monthly income into their mortgage payment. That number is doable, but it's definitely a little high. And we're anticipating that's going to, if that continues, that's going to affect sales. In Canada, get this, it's worse. The average home there is 600,000. And the percentage of salary used for a mortgage is at 40%. So since we're talking about nasty, evil things, let's see what our super piss on everything bank rate people have to say. They said, quote, if inflation pressures ease and we see a meaningful pullback in mortgage rates next year, this will ease some of the strain on buyers, but only a little bit. Prices will remain fairly steady. Huh, okay. Well, then they continued, quote, 
home prices will not fall proportionally. Any fall in prices will not be enough to offset the rising interest rates and its contribution to the monthly mortgage payment. As a result, homes may seem less affordable. The impact of higher mortgage rates and lower home prices in 2023 will likely cancel each other out to a great extent. Overall, home affordability will not change drastically, unquote. There, aren't they fun? I love those guys. So now, I've got one more chart for those of you out there who feel like maybe you missed something. Because here's the truth bomb. You did. You missed it. Sorry. That's just the truth. You did. <laughs> There's nothing I can do about it. Blame your parents for not doing the hibbity-dibbity years and years ago. Because the best time to buy a home was in 2012. And the second best time to buy was six weeks after the pandemic in March 2020. And the third best time to buy a home in the last decade was the beginning of 2021. But you know what? You can't go back. The universe has you here at this particular point in history. This is where you are. And you don't have a time machine powered by a flux capacitor. So you need to make lemonade of the lemons that the housing market is growing these days. Go back and listen to episode 98 and you'll hear how I totally blew it in what was a sketchy market, kind of like what we're going into now, right? I decided to keep renting way back in the 90s because once again, I'm old. There it is. Drink. And I lost hundreds of thousands of dollars. Now, it's not super simple to understand how you can beat it in a steady market right now, a market that isn't going way up. You, it takes a little bit of math and understanding to realize because you have to always take into account your rent is a negative. It's not just how much does my house make, it's how much does my house make, plus I'm not throwing money away at rent. But once you've got that and you understand that equation, that math, that data, that creates a new confidence. But I, when I was in my 20s, had no clue and didn't look into it. But buying in a market that is not considered super affordable for many of you people out there who are renting at the average rent in your place, even though you're buying in what people are going to say it's unaffordable, it's still going to be renting for two, three or five years if you're sitting around waiting for things to get back to affordable. It's a losing waiting game when you comprehend all the math. So now here's that chart, I promise. And I know you guys listening, don't worry, I'll explain it again. This is something interesting that not a lot of people talk about. I try to explain to people, most of my first-time home buyers are younger buyers, which means you're anticipating that you're going to have a salary increase over the years, which means that percentage of how much of your income goes towards your mortgage, it eventually gets easier and easier. So let's say it is at that crazy 35% today. Well, if you continue to make more money, remember, mortgages don't move. They stay in the same place. So if you make $85,000 a day and you anticipate making 90, 95, $100,000, you got a 30-year loan, your mortgage payment stays in the exact same place. Now, what the chart here shows you is how this is actually a plus of this crappy inflation thing. I know. Uh, I'm one of the few people who says, hey, inflation's gonna work for you. But look, with a 7% inflation, well, that's helped to solidify higher salaries for some people, because if you get a 5% bump in salary, <laughs> you're still minus 2%. So you can go to your boss and go, come on, let's go. So taking a look at this chart where 35% of your income goes towards your mortgage in 2022, with even just a small 5% raise per year, by the time you get to 2030, seven years holding this beautiful home, this asset for you, you're down to 24% of your salary each month 
that has to go towards your mortgage. So you're already having an increase in your quality of life. So in conclusion on affordability, if homes are too unaffordable due to prices, interest rates, wages, inflation, well, something's got to give or homes will start selling for much cheaper prices. And we hit that tipping point at the end of 2022 as the prices dropped a little bit. But keep in mind, if rates drop or inflation drops or if wages increase, prices are going to stay the same. Because it's not just one of these factors changing the affordability. If some of them go up, affordability goes down. Some of them go down, affordability goes up, or versa visa. So at this point, you have to bear in mind that if any of these things go up or down, even a little bit, the affordability of a home is going to be based on the full algorithm of all these combined factors. And topic number five out of our six topics is sales, home sales. This one is going to be easy. I don't need to give you all the facts and figures and the data on this one. I did it. I looked it up. I wrote it. I erased it. I'm not telling you because I just need to remind you that home sales is simply the number of homes sold, not the home prices. Home sales is not the home prices. Got it? Yes, the bulls and the bears are all out there giving their predictions on what's going to happen. And then most of them think that home sales are going to go down in 2023. We've been up quite a bit since the post-pandemic 2020. So going down from where we are actually means that we're kind of returning more to a normal market because we've been on a blitzkrieg of homes sold since the pandemic and us coming out of it. Now, if you're a glutton for punishment, you want to read all the data on exactly how many homes sold and how many people think they're going to forecast for 2023, all the articles are going to be there in the show notes, or you can Google it yourself. So the key to remember is that home sales is a funky, funky term, and you're going to see a lot of numbers that come out about that, but they affect you in a weird way when you're a buyer because of that giant key factor that we talked about earlier, inventory. Think about it this way. If the number of sales is way down, sure, that could mean more desperate sellers who need to sell, but the number of sellers is already so low that if it goes down even more, then you might end up in bidding wars due to supply and demand. Now, if the home sales number starts to go up and it's high, well, that means something insane happened because that probably means that interest rates dropped a whole bunch. And so then if that happens, there's going to be a bunch of buyers that were sitting on the fence and didn't want to come out. And now they're going to come into the market and suddenly you're going to face bidding wars again. But most importantly, when it comes to home sales, read the entire story when you see a scary negative headline about sale and know the difference between home sales and home prices. Remember. Headlines and stories about stuff that's going on in the housing market, they're for the seller. Yes, it's not bad meaning bad, it's bad meaning good. And if you haven't Googled Run DMC yet, the song is called Peter Piper. It's off the 1986 album Raisin Hell. Download it immediately. Okay, I've just been told off air by my video producer who's 27 and often keeps me in check because I'm 52. Uh, that you guys don't download songs, you stream them, so stream it, and JT, you're fired. Anyway, understanding how dope Run DMC is is like understanding how important researching all the facts and data to predicting where the housing market is going. You must realize how dope it is, or you are dope yourself, and I cry for you and your depressing existence. Now, 
help others learn the joy that is my podcast, huh? Of course, I say that right after I say all those terrible things. Great. I don't know. Maybe I'm the one smoking dope. That's legal in California, isn't it? I just went to New York City. Oh, my gosh. Walk down New York City. You get a contact high. Everybody's smoking everywhere. It was crazy. Anyway, for those of you watching the video, I'm wearing my shirt about all the theaters in Broadway. Uh, it's really fun. You can go to all them and you'll probably be high when you go in. Where was I? All right. Help others learn about the joy that is a crazy old man rambling into a microphone. The Joys of Raising Hell by Run DMC. And the truth behind the hell that is happening with the housing market. Spoiler alert, it's not hell. It's just something you have to navigate and figure out how to do it. The truth bomb is 2012 was the best time to buy a home. 2020 was a great time to buy a home, and so was 2021. Now, 2023 can be a good time to buy a home and a great time to stop paying rent. I don't ask for much for burying myself in all the research and regurgitating it out to you. All I ask is that you share it. Mention this on Reddit. I swear, Reddit street cred helps me a ton. Those people go bonkers in there. <laughs> or you can mention it on Facebook or your mom's Facebook page or your grandma's Facebook page. Uh, you can mention it on Instagram or TikTok or so your church, your brunch. Talk about it at the office. Talk about it on social media. Share the revolution that is the How to Buy a Home podcast. And you can check out How to Buy a Home website for more education. And you can even ask David a question. Ask me directly and I'll get back to you. Now, why do I ask you to share? Why do I ask you to check out the website? Because as this revolution grows, I can continue to make this content continually getting you all this important data that's going to help you with, I believe is probably going to be the biggest financial decision of your entire life. Look, you don't want to waste hours of your life like I do reading through all this research and studying. Enjoy the summary and the sum up with bad jokes in between. And then you can learn this all on your own without having to spend the hours that I do. Get yourself a plan. Get yourself ready because I know you can do this.